Yo! Welcome to episode number 85 of the audio podcast with the boys, Jason and Alex on Cannon. How are you this morning, bro? Uh, I'm really, 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 really busy. I've been really, really busy. I've been mm-hmm. really busy. I've been too busy. I worked all weekend. And like I spoke to you on, was it Sunday night or Monday night at 7 o'clock as I was driving mm. home and... You smashed me over being a, <laughs> being a proponent of the four-day work week, yet yeah. working seven, just because it was my own money. And I've taken that to heart, so I'm going to take the next four days off. Fair enough, mm. fair enough. Yeah, it was quite entertaining, actually, because obviously we've spoken many times on here about the benefits of the four-day working week. And then, because you have been so busy lately, Alex called me up in this, like, mad, not not mad scramble, but, like... You just did, you were expressing how busy you had yeah. made yourself yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. over the past week or so, and just chipped him about. I was like, "Oh, interesting. How you're not really much of a proponent of the four day working week when it's your own mummy now." But I do want to say, since Auto Bros has been flat out, I've done more work for my side project. We need to nickname this side project. Okay, Project X. <laughs> right. Side Project X. I've done more work for that than ever mm-hmm. and like like slowly but surely moving forward almost every day and I'm, I'm actually, I'm finding myself supercharged. I'm finding myself really, really um, motivated. Cool. So I, it's something I've known about myself for a long time though. <clears throat> I prefer the pressure. Mm-hmm. I work better under pressure than when the pressure's relieved then I find it hard to get sort of motivated. Yeah. But yeah, it's been it's been. I feel energized, charged, and mentally stimulated. That's really good. You yeah. you that sounds to me like you're in that sort of flow state. Yeah. Of you, you are so engaged in what it is you're doing that not only are you getting more and more done, but every single time you tick something new off it, that gives you more energy to then move on and yeah. do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Yeah. But it's also important too that just like you said, uh, you realise that you probably were working a little bit too much lately. Mm. So even though you're saying you're going to take four days off, it's four days off auto bros coming into the office. Correct. But you'll still be working on your side project. And yeah. I'm sure if you get inquiries and stuff like that, you'll still be dealing with those over the phone. Yeah, 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 too. yeah. So um, it is important to look, look, enjoy this period of time while you're in it mm. because it is a great feeling when you're in it. Yeah. Uh, that is maybe one of the things that I miss the most about being at work is that often made me get into that flow state. Yeah. And I think for anyone out there who's a parent, especially of young children's, can be hard to get into a flow state of flowing on anything when you've got kids. Mm. Uh, so enjoy it when you get the opportunity to do it. The other thing I miss too, which I actually got a bit of a taste of this week, is I walked into the gym the other day when the owner of the gym was doing was closing a new client. Yeah. And I was actually really impressed with the way that he did it. And there's only like one little tweak that would have made. Mm-hmm. We spoke about it. And then he got his crew together and we did a PD session in yeah. here uh, talking about sales. Because mm-hmm. obviously being a personal trainer, there is a lot about, there's a lot of selling. Or sorry. 100%. Yeah. There, it's not as much selling, but the selling is so critical. Yeah. Like let's say, let's say the sale is only 10%. In terms of effort, mm-hmm. but that ten percent is worth a hundred percent of your income. Yeah, and it's one of those professions too, which tends to get thrown out the window mm. when the economy is not going well. 
For sure. So it's more important than ever to be able to close those clients yeah. when you get the opportunity because you may have less opportunities, in the, at least in the short to medium term. But it was nice for me to actually get to do some of that training again, which I've not done for mm. two years now because yeah. that, that was very much a part of my my um, job before. So it was mm. nice to get a bit of a taste in. And yeah, it, it what I really enjoyed about it is you don't realise how much you know until you're teaching someone who knows nothing. Yeah. So that's an enjoyable mm. experience as well. Mm. Uh, can I just start off with as well, one thing that I want to say quickly is I had a very good reminder this morning about something that I think I may have spoken about on the pod before from a financial perspective, and that is insurance right? and how important it is to routinely check your insurance, not only your policies, but your premiums. Right. So I got my renewal notice for my home and contents insurance for the house and comparing it against my, what we paid last year, it had been, it had gone up by $400 of what they wanted to, to renew. What's that as a percentage? Uh, it was like 25%. Right. Right. Now this is a reminder for you. Why do you think it's gone up? Uh, massive natural disaster. Yep. Insurance companies are having to pay out through the nose at the moment. They will try to recoup those costs. So if any of you have an insurance policy that is coming up for renewal, expect it to go up considerably. Did you shop around? So I attempted to shop around. Um, So full disclosure, I'm with Allianz uh, for my home contents and one of my cars. Uh, I'm with Budget Direct for the other car because I've got no new for old replacement anymore. So I went to check Budget Direct just to get a feel for what the quote would be for my house. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, they won't insure in my area. I think it's because we're too close to the floodplains, Mm -hmm. even though our house has never been flooded. But interestingly enough, I just went on the Allianz website and did another quote with all of the exact same data from my current policy. Guess how much money I saved? $400? A grand. Oy. Compared to what, so the amount they wanted, so I paid about $1,800 last year. Yeah. They want to charge me $2,200 this year. And just by doing the quote online with the same company, I paid $1,282. Wow. And not only that, but I paid $1,282 and I increased the coverage value of my contents from thirty grand up to fifty grand. Yeah, because you got to re-input that data. That's right. Yeah, see, I, it, it's a really good... Um, that's something really good to raise because I got burnt in the past where I just, I had it through Commonwealth Bank, mm-hmm. um, Commonsure, and yep. I had the contents insurance. And the, when I wanted to go make a claim, they said, oh, you're not covered for, oh, it was accidental cover. I'm like, no, make sure that I'm always, mm. and he goes, no, here's your last renewal and you didn't select it. And then I was thinking back. So they, they've offered me the same policy at the same price but with less gear on it. Right. And then being a busy person, you're just like, yep, yeah, yep, yep, just, yep, that sounds right. You just right. assume that they're renewing the exact same product. Yeah, yeah. So then I just cancel it right there. And she goes, mm-hmm. oh, you need content, content insurance. And I'm like, no, I'll just keep the money. Yeah. And when it, when my stuff breaks, because I'm a minimalist at home, there's no point of breaking into my house, mm. I'll just replace it. Yep, yep. And really the only reason why... You need it, because you've got building insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, but... It's such, yeah, such an important reminder. Like, literally saved a thousand bucks this morning in 15 minutes and didn't have to speak to anyone over the phone. Yeah. All it was, go on their website. Uh, if There's a lot of things that you might not know about in regards to the building of your house and all that sort of stuff. 
one of the interesting tools that they that they have available is so with home insurance you have to estimate what the cost would be to rebuild your house mm. they've got calculators that go they've got the information stored for all the properties that are sold so when you get up to that section you can click on that and it takes you through the calculator and most of the details about your house even sure. like the uh, materials used for the walls the roofing stories bathroom all that stuff and it actually calculates roughly how much it would cost to rebuild your place so it's honestly it's the easiest thing that you can do and what i would suggest even if you're not due for renewal now but if you've just auto renewed your insurance policies whether it's on cars or house or, or whatever boats if you've just done that maybe the last couple of years two years three years go and look at it now jump online just even go to the same insurer that you're currently with do a quick quote on their online calculator and I guarantee you'll save money. Because the you way... You can always cancel your policy too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the way that insurance companies make their money is by trusting that most people, and I'm talking 85% of people, are lazy and they don't they don't understand insurance. So once it's set, it's set and forget. Mm. And they, they know that. So mm. they that's why there's no incentive for loyalty with insurance companies yep. it's all about switching or even just re-quoting online most insurance companies will save you 10 percent just for doing it online yeah because then they don't have to pay someone to give you that to yeah, yeah so yeah big reminder go and check the insurance policies now because you can save a fortune that probably ties in nicely with the next thing that i wanted to talk about which was really really heavily finance related mm-hmm. and it's about the war okay. in ukraine yep so let's so for, let's forget the atrocities that are happening or whatever. Let's mm-hmm. forget any of that. Yeah. Looking at it purely economically, mm-hmm. the situation is Russia has invaded Ukraine. America and the, effectively the West, because mm-hmm. they're the NATO leader, has made calls for us that we are going to put sanctions on Russia. Yep. We're all paying for it at the pump. So we're, if you think about it, we're literally paying for that conflict. For, for Sorry, we are paying for the US's response to that conflict. Mm-hmm. And not just the fuel, everywhere. Yeah. Okay. This, I watched a video during the week on YouTube about how empire, like financial empires rise and fall. Mm-hmm. So currently the US is the dominant economy. Yeah. Prior to that, it was the British pound. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, it was the Dutch salt of licorice. Don't know, can't remember. And how it goes through these cyclic phases, and the US is already on a down uh, on a downturn. Now, the way that you know that who's the dominant one, the US petrodollar. Yeah. Every barrel of oil in the world is bought and traded in US dollars. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called the petrodollar. So we put sanctions on Russia and say, we're not going to buy any of your fuel, we're not going to sell any fuel, and you can't buy any, any fuel in US dollars. What's Russia to do with that information? What, like, what, what can they do? So they, are they just going to say, okay, we don't use fuel anymore? Yeah, no. no. They need to find other options to buy and sell fuel. Okay. So and Russia we... is one of the biggest uh, fuel exporters on the planet. So um, oh, not, as, not as big as what people think. It's like eighth or ninth. Is it? Yeah, big natural gas. Oh, lots, okay. Lots yeah. of natural gas. So energy export. Energy export. Because I heard yes. that they were like third when it comes to energy export. Yes, overall energy export might be third. Okay. So my question is, 
how come so America knows that you're going to force Russia to deal with China? Mm. US China relations are at an all time low. Mm-hmm. You know, even in Australia, we're posturing up against China all the time. Every chance we get, we're puffing our chests out. Oh, we're really concerned about what's happening in South China Sea. Like, yeah. what are we going to do about it? Yeah, talk about shirt fronting, yeah. Xi Jinping and... Right? Yeah, just go on a rhetoric rant. So if you know that that's happening, as Amer- why would America risk losing first spot as an economic powerhouse to China, effectively, mm. Over Ukraine sovereignty. I've been thinking a lot about this, and I'm assuming that you've got an answer in your mind. I've been I've been asking everyone I can, everyone that's got half an inkling into it, to yeah. just to try to gather some info. But I'd be interested because we spoke about it a couple of days ago. Yeah. So I've been thinking about this a lot, and one of the things that is concerning about all this rhetoric that you've spoken about recently, which is. We, there's a lot of rhetoric in the media and from politicians about this is the price we need to pay to help Ukraine. So paying a bit of extra for fuel, well, it's just a price. That's a yeah. sacrifice. A lot of people would have seen Stephen Colbert's joke where he was talking about, you know, I'll pay $15 a gallon uh, to have a clean conscience, but I, it doesn't matter because I drive a Tesla. Now, the clean conscience thing was also part of the joke because the majority of the oil that they're getting out comes from the Saudis, where when it comes to atrocities against people, the Saudis are pretty well up there as well. And America's also now trying to go and cuddle up to countries like Venezuela that they've been beefing with for a long time for similar reasons because they're just they're desperate now. And Iran. And Iran. So I've been thinking about what exactly what you said because in, in doing these actions, what America is essentially doing is they are forcing other large nation states to remove themselves from the existing system, which is that every barrel of oil is bought and sold in American dollars. And is actually that's what makes America dominant mm-hmm. in the economic space. They're forcing these countries to go outside of that. Mm-hmm. And it's not just China. There's a lot of stories at the moment too about how India is going to Russia directly and uh, purchasing fuel directly from mm-hmm. them now. So they're actually, America is isolating themselves from that system that actually makes them dominant. And what scares me is that I can't help but feel like America has known for a decade or two that they were already a diminishing power compared to China. And as far as being the big dog in the global economic race, their time was numbered anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if all of this is in an effort to then justify America to actually go to war, potentially with China. And a real war, not an economic war. Because I think they've realised they've hit a point now where they can't win the economic war anymore. Yeah, okay. So where I got to with it was that it was inevitable that they were going to lose the petrodollar Mm -hmm. and it would become the one, petro one. Yeah. Or reserve bank currency, digital currency. You can have you can have two. Mm-hmm. It won't be a res- like the the East or is not global gonna... bank or whatever. That's not happening. That's well, that could only happen if the West stays in control, mm. which they're not. Yeah. So I don't think 
it's in America's best interests at all to go to war. Mm, maybe it is. Mm. Maybe it is. I think it's. I think it's the only thing that they've still got left because they've got the nukes. You've still got the NATO alliance, which is part of the. Which, but you're not allowed to engage with. Um, th- th- this is the one trip up thing, right? So if you go to war, what, where's the excuse to go to war over over the Russia Ukraine thing? That's well, not an excuse to go for the. Well, that's the thing. The that's to go to war. that's why. That's why I feel like. Because when you think about what America has been doing and the rhetoric out of America with all this, uh, with the tensions before even the invasion happened in the first place, the Americans were agitating Putin. They were, they were making it worse. They were making it more friction in that zone. Because it's like, I guess it's that whole thing of if you're, if you've got someone who you're in the street and they're talking smack at you and you're talking smack at them and they hit you first, and you justify to hit them back. Yeah, for sure. But Russia, I feel like they're smart enough to just go, no, Ukraine's the issue. Yep. We're just going to deal with Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, like, you can antagonise us all you want, mm-hmm. but we're going to do... We're going to play within the boundaries of mm. the rules, yep. which is what they are doing. It does appear to be that way so far, yep. yeah. So any escalation mm-hmm. would more likely come from the West. Yeah, which is where I fear, and this is something I brought up in Conspiracy Corner maybe last week or the week before, that's why I fear the martyrdom of uh, Zelensky, the Ukrainian Prime Minister. I feel like the West is building him up as a hero, mm-hmm. and you see all these hero stories about him. Yeah. And then, even though Russia seems to be playing kind of by the rules, as far as an invasion goes... <laughs> an invasion playing, of a sovereign country. Yeah, yeah well, they're playing by, like you said, the rules that are set out to prevent an engagement from NATO forces. Yeah. They're playing by those rules. But if Zelensky just happens to get assassinated... But it's still not enough. It's still not enough. Mm. It's still not a NATO issue. So something would have to happen mm. elsewhere... Yeah. You know, and Estonia, because Estonia, like, I think Lithuania, Estonia, so Belarus is not, but Estonia, Lithuania are in, like, maybe, I don't know, a missile accidentally gets flung out and was supposed to go to Ukraine and instead hit Well, there's an opportunity country. for something like this now, which is, I can't remember the exact three nations, but there are three high-ranking officials from NATO countries that are on their way into Ukraine now to assist in essentially peace talks. Mm. I know one of them is from Poland. I can't remember who the other two are from. Mm. And Because Poland's in NATO. Yeah. yeah. And I was listening to this on Breaking Points with Crystal and Saga, and what Crystal was saying, it's very accurate, is this is, while it's a really uh, great show of solidarity and it's, it's a very diplomatic show to actually have the balls to get into that place to try to help broker these peace talks... It's also, if something was to happen to one of those three, bang, NATO's involved straight away. So that's what I want to, that's where I kind of wanted to lead this. Mm. We need to keep an eye out on what the breaking point is. Yeah. Because it's coming. Mm-hmm. Because if it doesn't happen, Russia effectively gets Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And like the East separates from the West. 
and mm. China starts dealing directly with Ukraine, India, mm-hmm. you know, who else they can pick up in Southeast Asia. Yeah. And the whole market economy shifts. Now, I did do a little bit of thinking about it. It doesn't affect us. No. It, it's affecting us now because uh, high tumultuous times cause uh, stress in markets and therefore mm-hmm. prices go up. Okay. Yeah. But in terms of like if, if it switched to a Petro one tomorrow, mm-hmm. it's pretty much business as usual. We've just got to do new deals. Yeah. And at the end of the day too, there's nothing to say that down the track Australia can't pivot and become China's little brother instead of being America's little brother. If America does go down the toilet and, and stops being the world power that they are and China's the big dogs, you don't think we'll go and like, oh, hey, Xi. Hey, Xi Jinping. Hey, Gumbra. Can we be your friend? Which I've, I found interesting because we were so pally-pally in the early noughties with China because mm. we knew we had these very lucrative contracts, especially with, like, obviously mining. Yeah. And we buy everything from there mm-hmm. already. I have found it so surprising that we've decided to pick fights with them over stuff like Taiwan. Oh, and that's the next thing. That's the other thing you don't think of it either. So let's say let's say the Ukraine Russia thing goes on unencumbered mm-hmm. by the West. China's taken Taiwan. Yeah, China's taken Taiwan. Yeah, and that's why I, I think that's a big part of it. I think China is sitting back to see exactly what the international fallout is for for Russia from this situation. And then they will assess what they do in regards to Taiwan. But they obviously want it. Um, did you, what, did what, you see that breaking point thing where some pundits are saying that it doesn't look like it's Russian imperialistic views that, that are, that are, or ambitions mm. that like they don't want to take over Ukraine because they blew up the uh, Antonov plane factory. Mm. And if you were going to take over a country, you'd want a large producing factory you'd want to keep that yeah but but russia said no no we're demilitarizing yeah from what i've heard and i can't remember off the top of my head all three of them but from what i've heard the the requests from russia to end the war sound fairly reasonable one of the things that keeps being said which is happening behind the scenes apparently is that russia is saying that uh, Zelensky can stay on as like a puppet prime minister and that Russia will actually pick a president above him. Okay. But that's nothing official. Right. So that that is what they're saying is the really big uh, no-no from Ukraine is that that whole scenario. But from what I've heard, it's like Russia basically wants Ukraine to uh, never be part of a bloc, so either the, the EU mm-hmm. or part of NATO. They don't want them... They want them to be neutral. Yeah. They want them to be demilitarised, which, again, is a, is a pretty tough ask when it's like, hey, we've just invaded your country, now we want you to get rid of all your guns. Yeah. But I think part of that demilitar, uh, demilitarisation is they want the US to stop sending weapons to Ukraine, which is therefore being set up on their border. Yeah, it's, it's, if you look at the map, if you pull the map up, you can see why you'd get tense as a as Russia mm. when you see the where Russia links to mainland Europe is separated by Estonia, Lithuania, Belarus, Ukraine. Yeah. And then there's a water north and south of that. Mm-hmm. 
So if Ukraine goes to NATO, Estonia and Lithuania are already there. Yeah. And be- the Belarusian uh, border into Russia is very small. Like the mm-hmm. tip is very small. Yeah. And you've effectively landlocked. Yeah, you've cut them off. Militarily landlocked. That's right. Yeah. And that's the thing that everyone needs to keep in mind is from an Australian perspective, imagine if China or Russia was sending all of these weapons to New Zealand and they were, you know, we talk about all the time, like because of our politicians over here who are constantly not warmongering, but are constantly shit talking China. Mm. And we say, Oh, there's like a Chinese warship in, in our oceans. And that's a you know sign of aggression. Like how many times we heard that in the news? Uh, a warship has gone past, mm. therefore that's a sign of an aggression. Well, imagine if they took our closest neighbour and started sending weapons there. Yeah, but it, it's almost worse than that. It's like New Zealand, Cook Islands, Papua New Guinea, mm. Tasmania. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, we're just going to park these here. Yeah, yeah. 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 And like, look at it from an American perspective, because that's probably more relevant because they're actually physically attached by country. But it's the same as if... Russia started putting weapons on the border, on the Canadian side of the border. Yeah, that was a Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. That's what that was all about. Yeah, well, there you go. So, obviously, any country that that happens to is going to take that as a sign of aggression. And what is so frustrating by the coverage of this from the West is they're completely hypocritical. Because they're like, we're not even doing anything. And Russia's just gone and done this? Like, we haven't done anything. It's like, well, no... When you actually look into it, like, Russia has been trying to tell the Ukraine to stop accepting weapons from America for seven years. Mm. And they didn't. Mm. Uh, the Ukraine knew full well that they were not supposed to talk about joining NATO. Yeah. And we were still talking about it. Like, that is signs of aggression. Yeah. So, again, not justifying the invasion of a country, but can kind of half-cop the reasons why, as a Russian state, you might be a little bit upset about the things that are happening around you when you've been given assurances that they wouldn't happen. Don't you love it, though? I, I love it how the, our media just talks about how we've... Like, like it, they speak as, oh, we've never done anything wrong. Yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> that meme. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Only the US is allowed to drop bombs on sovereign nations. Yeah. Right? Have we ever, and, and again, a smack to any of those people that have put Ukraine flags on their uh, profile pictures without understanding the, the full story? And mm-hmm. Did you do that for Afghanistan? Yeah. Did you do that for Iraq? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, were you, were you uh, speaking out against our unlawful mm-hmm. uh, a, a attack on sovereign countries? Mm-hmm. That's ask, right. You've got to ask yourself that. Yeah. You know? And look, I w- at the time... I wanted to go to war, uh, to war That's you know, right. Afghanistan. I was ready to sign up. Because the propaganda machine did its job. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So that's why I'm a little bit gun-shy now before mm. I go and start spraying it off without having, like, okay, well, what are the real motivations here? What do I think is going to come out in the future? Yeah. And is this something that we should be... That's what I couldn't understand. I just couldn't understand why the West was willing to give up top dog status mm-hmm. for a non-NATO small country that, let's be real, has nothing to do with us. Okay, so there's there's two really big points that I want to get onto here. But to address your question, this is what I honestly feel the answer is. I was kind of saying this before, but I'll try to make it as succinct as I possibly can. I think the West, and America more specifically, knows they've already given up top dog status. 
and it is just a matter of time. If nothing drastic happens, they're, they're not top dog anymore. I feel like the West has been actively agitating Russia because they know they're an easier target than to actually agitate China. Okay? They also know that Russia and China are doing deals between each other. You've got the Belt and Road system, right? That, that deal is designed to create more energy independence for China. America doesn't like that. I cannot help but feel like America is looking for a reason to go to war because it's the only way they can actually ensure... Yeah, it's, it's all they've got left. Yeah. It's the only way they can assure international dominance into the future. This is, sorry, this is another point I want to say too. When it comes to the Western countries and our priorities, another part of the issue is the military-industrial complex. Yeah. So we spoke about this. When America pulled out of Afghanistan, there, there was a lot of big companies like Raytheon and all the other big weapons manufacturers who would have been up the asses of Biden and every single politician in America going, hey, where's our next drink coming from? Mm. Where's our next drink coming from? So here's, here's a fun fact for you. Back when Biden was campaigning for his election, he was saying that the, one of the first things they were going to do was give out $2,000 stimmy checks to every single man, woman, and child in war. Man and woman over 18 in America. Mm. It took like two or three months, I think it was, afterwards for those stimmy checks to get approved. And instead of being $2,000 per person, they were 1400 bucks per person. And America's got 330 million people. So do the maths, whatever that works out to be. In about, what it would have been, how long has the war been going for? Three weeks? Mm-hmm. How much money has America, or how much military aid spending has america given to the ukraine in three weeks a billion dollars right in three weeks yeah it's amazing how what you can mobilize yeah now again that's not sending the money it's sending them weapons yeah so the american taxpayer who just had to wait months to get their 1400 dollars stimmy check their tax dollars has now funded a billion dollars in three weeks worth of weapons from american companies like raytheon that i just mentioned that's been sent to ukraine yeah Now, when you were saying before about how the Ukraine is not a NATO country, so something more serious would need to happen to justify Mm. NATO's military involvement. Yep. Well, is it not a massive sign of aggression if a NATO, the head of NATO, is sending a billion dollars worth of weapons to Ukraine to then use on Russia? That's an act of war in itself. Yeah, but again. Russia's not motioning that that's like they're not biting. I know, but America is still trying for sure, and that's the thing. I think they want them to bite. Russia is playing very smart at the moment that they're not biting on that. Here's the other thing I just wanted to say before I forget. In Australia, we just had the floods. How much outcry was there about the lack of support for the flood? Uh, like mm. as far as the initial disaster with lack of help, mm. and then the funding crisis as well. I think, um, what's the payment that they've approved? Like three grand or something to people who've been affected by floods? Not a lot of money. How much money did Australia commit to the Ukraine within two weeks? Don't know how much. $70 million. Yeah, right. So this is the thing. How, how is it that we are able to so quickly, bipartisanly, 
send all of this money overseas to things that don't really concern us, mm. as bad as that sounds, mm. and yet we can't front that money up for our own people. Mm. That's the question that you need to ask. And that's where, unfortunately, you start to read in, you, like we talk about all the time about financial incentives. There is a massive financial incentive for certain people for war to happen. And these massive like military companies, especially in America, they get huge financial benefit from conflict. So remember how we were talking before the war even started about how even in, on Australian media, they were just wheeling out all these pundits who were all of a sudden talking about how much of a good idea it would be to help protect Ukraine. And this whole I stand for Ukraine stuff, that's just justification for us to go to war. They're just priming up the Western communities, Western average voting taxpayers to want to take a side in a conflict that shouldn't concern us. I agree with everything that you've said. I'm about to say something that could be as contentious as my last week's comment. <laughs> Do you think lefties realise what they've done when they voted Biden in? No. And you think that, like, we're all paying. Yeah. We are all paying. Now, okay. On that, I'll say a few things. Number one, a lot of people, a lot of right-wing people came out and said straight away, this never would have happened under Trump. We will never know. Mm. Uh, I've said to you in private before that Trump was the only American president in like the past, I think it's 25 or 30 years, who didn't start a new conflict mm. while he was in office. One of the things that uh, left-wing people in America uh, find it very easy to forget is that Barack Obama's administration actually amped up and used more drone strikes than any other administration yeah. in American history. Okay. So we'll never know what would have happened or could have happened under Trump. We just don't know. All, I, all we can look back is what did happen when he was in office and there was no new conflicts that were started during that time. The Afghanistan pullout was organised by him. Yep. Uh, and look, the terms of it changed under Biden and whether that was better or worse, I'm not going to comment. But the he actual... got him out. you got to give Biden credit. He actually got him out. Yeah. Didn't have to. And hand the country to the Taliban, which has an active Twitter account and Donald Trump doesn't, but anyway. Uh, so, and also one of the key aggressors during Trump's uh, administration was North Korea and North Korea wasn't a problem anymore after Trump. So... The only foreign leader to meet him. Yeah, and actually try to... And it's interesting, isn't it, how it's like... Again, this is a media problem. This isn't a, a normal person problem, but normal people fall for it. When it's Trump, they're like, oh, Trump's best friends with the rocket man from Korea. Oh, Trump's best friends with Putin. Collaborate, like, collusion for the election. Rah, rah, rah. It's called diplomacy, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas if you're another leader and you go and be friends with these people, then they call it diplomatic. Yeah. At the end of the day, all you can look back as, as results when no major conflict started under Trump. Paying a dollar seventy a liter for, or a dollar sixty a liter for fuel. I don't even want you to make that connection though, because this is the other problem with Western media at the moment. Look at all this rhetoric about how fuel prices only became a problem yeah. because of the war. That's bullshit. We've been paying almost two dollars a liter in Australia for over twelve months. 
one of the main reasons for those issues was the vaccine mandates that caused all the supply chain issues. Yeah. We've had, like, the cost of living in Australia has gone up astronomically in the last 12 months and people's incomes have not gone up at all. Yeah. Our tax bill has gone up astronomically in the last 12 months because the amount of money this government has splurged on vaccines, on testing, on all the bullshit, plus the economic loss because of the loss of productivity. Biden's even come out and had this speech this week where he's, like, got the shit and he's like... You know, I'm, I'm getting uh, annoyed about talking about this. The American people honestly believe that the inflation comes from this government spending more money. It's just not true. It's not true. Bro, it's exactly where inflation comes from. Yeah. You guys printed more money and spent it all. That's what causes inflation. Yeah. What can also assist inflation is putting in blockages to the normal economy i.e. via vaccine mandates. Yeah, reducing supply, reducing production. That's right. Certain percentages of each different sector of the economy have had to shut down or reduce their production because of these mandates. You've also got the fact that people have lost their job, therefore had less income to go out and spend, which then stimulates the economy. And those people who lost those jobs, what do they do? Well, they got paid things like JobKeeper and JobSeeker. Where did that money come from? Yeah. It's printed money given out by the government, which causes inflation. I saw a stat today that the US has almost, say in 2020, doubled its money circulation. Yeah. In one year, doubled the amount yeah like i don't know how they afford ink for those printers man <laughs> well it's just they they pay for it with borrowed money yeah yeah but it's still a wild 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 prospect yeah. to think that you've just got so technically your dollar if you had an american dollar is half yeah and, and what's is... it worth once it loses the petrodollar <sighs> that's the big question and look at what happened to the russian ruble overnight it halved in value. Yeah. And that is a possibility when the American dollar no longer becomes the reserve currency. If you don't have cash, any of you, if you have cash, yeah. don't buy an asset today. Yeah. If you guys haven't done so already, I, I put the link in the show notes last week about that PBD podcast with Michael Saylor. Mm. Uh, go and watch it. That made that convinced me to go and plant a lot of my money into Bitcoin. Yeah. Purely based on the fact that I don't think Bitcoin's going to astronomically go through the roof. I think Bitcoin's going to stay at what it is, but the currencies that are purchasing that are devaluing every single day. So therefore, that gap's going to keep getting bigger and bigger. So as a store of value, I have chosen to park some of my money in Bitcoin. And you heard the Federal Reserve up the rate today? Interest rates? Yeah. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay. So that I, I think they'll hold off doing it here until after the election. Yeah. So whoever, you know, whoever gets... Um, Whoever is our next prime minister, mm-hmm. whoever that could be, you know, <laughs> um, they'll have to deal with it because can, it, can it I will just, go up. Can I just say to uh, an interesting point on elections and doing stuff after elections uh, propped up this week for me? So number one, like you were saying, uh, putting up the interest rates is designed to stop inflation. Slow inflation. Slow inflation. Now, how does it do that? Well, you make uh, housing affordability worse. Yeah. yeah. So, in other words, the reason why things can't inflate is because a certain section of the community has the ability to purchase taken away from them. That's essentially what it does, what it is. Yeah. So, is that good for anyone? 
Maybe, maybe not. Certain people, it's very much not It's Well, the, the biggest problem is, at high inflation, that's the only thing they can do. Yeah. There is no other lever you can pull. Yeah. Now, did you see Anastasia Palaszczuk's uh, beautiful, uh, great thing to help with our fuel prices here? By oh, offering... be, sorry, before you move, I want to get back to that point, but I just want to say this about the elections thing. Uh, you, you're right, they're going to hold off on doing anything about interest rates because ScoMo will say, this is not politically convenient for me right now. Correct. You need to put this off. So again, we said it about the COVID stuff, we'll say it about this stuff as well. All of these things are based on politics, they're not based on what's right for you and me and the rest yep. of the community who are voters. That was illustrated in South Australia. South Australia has a... Uh, there is a court case on against vaccine mandates There was that's literally about to go ahead. It was supposed to go ahead this week. But the state has created some reason, I think it was something to do with submitting new evidence too late or whatever, which caused a four-day delay in these proceedings. So instead of it starting today, it's now going to start, I think it's Wednesday next mm-hmm. week. Well, Wednesday next week happens to be four days after South Australia's state election goes ahead. Well, right. So... Of course. Right. And remember... I don't have time to deal with this now, man. <laughs> well, it's not so much that. But remember, I was saying that, uh, I think a week or two ago, uh, in South Australia, they have dropped the mandate for police officers. Bec- and they dropped it a week before that was due to go to court. So what that would indicate, I believe, is that they're dropping it because they know they don't have the legal basis to actually mm. defend and keep those mandates. Therefore, to avoid embarrassment, they just drop the mandate so the court case doesn't go ahead. So it would also indicate to me that perhaps the government knows they don't have the legal basis to be able to confirm and extend these mandates overall in South Australia. So they've delayed it until after the election because then once they're voted in, well, it's too late now. So it, once they vote in, you can't... And then they go, oh, actually, the mandates are currently unlawful, so it's going to get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. politically convenient. Well, I mean, that was where the big shift happened in New South Wales, too. Yeah. Um, get rid of um, Gladys mm-hmm. and reinstate the new guy. Yeah. And he, he relaxed a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say this. In regards to the federal election, you might hear a little bit of good news around at the moment. Don't buy into the fact that that's going to be long-term because as soon as this election's over, if the same powers are in power as they are now, things will get worse. I guarantee this. Push. And there'll be a justification for it. Oh, winter. Oh, new strain of COVID-19. New mandate. Because yeah. it, all it is is we've got three years in office now and you can't vote us out. Put a shot across the bow yep. and vote a crazy party. Just put the majors last. Put the majors last. Yeah. So, speaking of politics, mm-hmm. Anastasia Palaszczuk has come to the party and she's fixed the fuel problem. Yeah. By announcing an incentive where you can get $3,000 rebate, rebate mm-hmm. for an electric car up to the value of $58,000 mm-hmm. from the 1st of July. Yeah. Okay, so just, just for the record, yeah, just for the record. I'm pretty sure, and I was supposed to research this, but I, I kind of know this stuff. I don't think there's one electric car you can buy for under 58 grand. If there's one, it's a Nissan Leaf. Mm. I'm not even 100% sure you can get them. But everything's like, and, and I think 
the Tesla quoted number is 60, but I know Tesla's upping their prices as well, probably by three grand, mm. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to guess. Yeah. And that is supposed to fix... Well, mm. how does that help anything? Now, before we go into it, I believe we should transition to electric. Mm-hmm. But part, but the way to do it is not to get every consumer to start using electric products. No. It's to build the electric infrastructure first. That's right. So where's the generation coming from? Mm-hmm. So we need to have we need to have electric generate like like uh, whether it be solar, hydroelectric, nuclear, n- nuclear, uh, 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 geothermal, whatever it is. Like we're we're not building any of those. Yep. So we're shutting coal plants. Mm-hmm. We're doing a little bit in solar, mm-hmm. which is not if you actually look into it. We haven't seen the negatives of it because mm-hmm. they've got a lot of rare earth metals. So yeah, thank your brothers and sisters in the Congo who are in a hole getting their hands chopped off for pulling out those precious metals but mm-hmm. um, and also they have a um, they have a set period of life before you have to bury them yeah why aren't we talking about like you, you, you can't have one without the other yeah but why are we pushing the other why are we pushing the overall use of the overall use of electric cars like why are we promoting the use of electric cars because just like everything else that politics pushes or proposes it has nothing to do with this with solving the problem it has everything to do with giving the illusion of solving the problem yeah so driving a tesla in australia is the equivalent of wearing a mask because if you drive a Tesla in Australia, you go, oh, I've got an electric powered vehicle. I'm not contributing to fossil fuel emissions. Where does your power come from? Yeah. Unless you've got a 100% solar powered house that creates enough energy to charge your Tesla, which you don't. Yeah. Your electricity comes from a coal fire powered power plant. Yeah. So all you're doing is you're taking your fossil fuel burning from you doing it yourself driving around every day to down the road. That's it. It is just and pageantry even, and theatre. It's even worse than that too because the battery packs only last like seven seven years yep. and there's no fix for a battery pack. You that's just right. bury it. Yeah, and that's right. Because, and then you put a new battery pack in yeah, it. Yeah, you can't even, you can't recycle them. You have to just bury them in landfill, yeah. essentially. So it is, again, it's another, it's a theatrical pageantry of virtue signaling of look at me, I'm doing a good thing. Now, in saying that... The Saudis have just announced they will start accepting wine for oil. There you go. <laughs> just got a message just in, hot yep. off the press. Yeah. This is Thursday the 17th at 12.33pm. So funnily enough, that's that's the Saudis. That was, our, that was America's best option to try to get fuel. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, and now they're just like... Nah, I know we, you're a bit chippity choppity, but we know we sight our breath. Can we get some of that oil? Yeah. Well, yeah. that okay. So that makes me feel more towards what what you were saying, where well, there's no other option. Yeah. Got to try World War Three. Yeah. See how and, that goes. Yeah, like doesn't mean mean the transition will change because China could sit back and say, no, we'll let it all happen, and in the wash. No, but this is a thing. Well, let me finish. They could they could wait it out in the wash, mm-hmm. just like America did to become the superpower yeah. in World War Two. But that's not what America's going for. America is, is happy to have the amount of uh, teaming up between China and Russia 
because America wants to drag them both into war. At the I same get time. that. Yeah. But China plays Go mm. and not chess, yeah. and they'll just say, no, no, that's all right. You guys go to war. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Deplete, 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 deplete. Hey, need any help, guys? Exactly what America did. Everyone should go and read 1984 by George Orwell because it's literally playing out as we speak. And this is what that Ray Dalio, he talks about the same thing. This happens cycle Now, sometimes it happens militarily yep. in war. Sometimes it happens by peaceful means. A new treaty is made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it's made by like internal uh, revolutions. Mm. Yep. I don't see any internal revolutions. Well, there's internal revolutions happening, but the government's doing a very, very good job of stamping them out in collaboration with big tech. Oh, for sure. But I'm not getting stuck into that mm. because I'm creating solutions to that problem myself. Mm. So, fuck big tech. Like, they, uh, every time they do something bad, I'm just rubbing my hands together going, beautiful, thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah. You're just reinforcing it. Big, big tech is, it's so Western in that big tech's at this point now, it's, how did it get so big in the first place? Well, it was a great, uh, a great invention which improved people's lives. Awesome. Mm. Then it gets to a level where it's like, how, now I'm big enough. How can I suck some money out of that? <laughs> yeah. But not only suck some money, how can I suck all the money out of it? And then it gets to a point where it's like, now I'm fearful for losing the position that I'm in. Mm. So big tech's in the exact same spot as America is in the West. Yeah. They, they are the reigning superpower and they want to hold on to that as best they possibly can. As opposed to innovating and creating value. That's right. Mm. And you're seeing that where... Uh, I've been following Discernible a lot on social media who has just chosen to leave social media. And what they've said is that in their experience as well as other content creators they've spoken to, in the last two to six weeks, there has been a massive ramp up in censorship. And the ramp up is not about COVID like it was even a month ago. Now it's about Russia and the Ukraine. If you mention anything about... So, you know... Again, I've said it before, we're not big enough to get censored, so we probably won't get censored. Mm. But for saying the things... Put that in we... the comments below as much pro-Russia sentiment as you can. And let's see what happens. Spassiva. <laughs> Put spassiva in the comments below. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. But that's the thing, right? So there is a massive... Se- and, and they're going back through people's old content. Like, Discernible's literally been getting flagged for stuff from, like, October last year. Right. Because they've got someone who's... Clearly, their account's been flagged. And now they've got someone working through it, watching every single video going, nah, yeah, that's a strike, that's a strike, that's a strike, now you're out. Mm. And the problem is it's extremely short-sighted because it's exactly what America is doing in that you're squeezing your own self out of the market that you create. For sure, 100%. And it's a positive thing. It's, it's absolutely a good thing. Yeah. Now, I was a bit disappointed that the DuckDuckGo guy came out and said that he was going to start... Uh, censoring yeah. um, uh, Russian pro, propaganda. Pro Russian, oh yeah, Russian propaganda. Don't censor anything. Put it all in. Yeah. Put it all in. Let us learn how how to decipher what's real and what's not. It's not up to them. They've, see, that's... they've, they've made too many mistakes in the past. Let's let's uh, let's understand that. Let's yeah. recognize that, and let's let's give them new boundaries. Yeah. Uh, you guys just you're the aggregator. Yeah. Aggregate. Yeah. And the key the, the key word for me is we are censoring out Russian propaganda. Yeah. We're not censoring out. Western propaganda. Yeah. Only Russian propaganda is the bad yeah. stuff. Same as that that meme that you said before. Sorry, Russia. Only America can bomb sovereign nations. Yeah. It's rules for thee and not for me. Yeah. 
And what is the concern is that there should be no one person, institution, company that becomes the arbiter of truth. Because We should be the arbiter of truth. That's right. Mm. Like public discourse should be the arbiter of truth. I, I was thinking about this uh, last night and I went back to our episode where it was at the beginning of last year. I think it was called Don't Say That or something. And it was about when they had censored Donald Trump off social media. And that was when I did that little monologue at the beginning about how uh, if the tree falls in the woods, doesn't make a sound. Oh, mm-hmm. And there's not around to hear it, doesn't make a sound. And that was, I think it was January 2021. We were talking about how much of a problem it was that small decision just to remove Donald Trump from social media was. Mm. Look where we're at now. Yeah. Things have gotten way worse in the last 12 months. And they don't get better just overnight yeah. or, or by doing nothing and, about until it. Until reforms. That's right. And how does reform happen? Well, certain plucky individuals who disagree with the way, the direction things are going, go and start their own thing. Mm. And you're seeing that already mm. with platforms like Vimeo and with Rumble and Telegram and all those other things. There will be more options. I guess the key, the, the question is, and the key is, is how can you get mainstream enough to have wide-scale ad, uh, adoption of those new systems? Because unfortunately, as we saw with vaccine uptake, as we saw with uh, people being pro-mandate, there is a lot of comfort in just doing what the mainstream tells you to do. Yeah, I've, I've given up battling the people that are happy to play in that just do what you're told space mm-hmm. go for it yeah go for it you do you do, you do you boo mm-hmm. you do you but to the ones that are that are on uh, that are currently sitting on the periphery and can see the forest through the trees trees um, there will be it, it, it's it's only going to get better it's only yeah. going to get better. I've got, I've got some really... I'm actually very excited about the future because, if anything, it's falling into my lap, which is what I've been, mm. I've been banking on for the last eight years. I'm excited about the future too, and I mean the long-term future, because there is one... Sorry, six years. There's one factor which is irrefutable, and that is that Father Time will catch up with everyone. Mm. All these power brokers, think about the key, the people involved in all these conflicts. Vladimir Putin, what's he, 60-something, maybe 70? 62, 63? Yeah. Biden, 79. Yeah. He's on death's door, which is potentially a bad thing for uh, international war because if he goes and then you've got Kamala Harris to <laughs> control the red button, she's not very smart. You look at Amer- Australia's media. The majority is controlled by Rupert Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Dude's a million years old. He's on his way out soon. A lot of these key figures in regards to the global landscape, they're on the way out. What I have hope in is the millennials... And the next generation's come out for that. My kids, their age group. Because they're with, like, this surely has to get to a time in human evolution when we realise 
that this system that has been created for the benefit of a minority from the service of the majority is not the best system. I, I agree, but I disagree. So what I, what I want to preempt by saying is that every generation is going to figure it out. Yep. They always have. Mm. They always will. The, I think the power structures don't go away. They just change. Mm-hmm. Powerful people will always be powerful. Yep. Uh, rich people will always be powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, influential people will always be powerful. Yeah. And I think as uh, you need to understand that. And I, I do. And I look at how our, our generation and younger has handled the rich, powerful people of our time. And I guess you specifically can look at Elon Musk versus Jeff Bezos. They're both, they're like one and two as far as the richest people on the planet go at any given time. But our generation, the generations below us, definitely resonate more with Musk than with Bezos. Because Bezos is, he's the old school. He's the business first, uh, I'm going to stand on the shoulders of the little guy to elevate myself. Musk is the new age internet troll for a start. Yeah. But thinking such big picture of how can I best serve humanity? Mm. Because that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to solve a bunch of problems. Absolutely. Even yeah. look at look at what happened with the Ukraine. So he he clearly picked a side as well. But the way that he picked his side was he sent satellite access, Starlink to Ukraine mm. so they'd have internet access. But then on the flip side as well, he refused to censor Russian, uh, not, I'm not, not going to say propaganda, but Russian media. media from the internet. Because he said, I'm sorry, but it's free speech. Yeah. So that's the way that a billionaire is supposed to approach that sort of conflict. I'm going to help the people because, again, like whenever it comes to war, you have the wider community suffering for the whims of a few at the time. Yeah. That's what it all comes We're down to. We're suffering now. That's right. But again, the war is the excuse for the suffering now. For sure. When the suffering already started yeah, yeah. two years ago. Yeah. And has progressively gotten worse due to mismanagement. Yeah. But now we've got this fucking really convenient excuse of, oh, this is all Putin's fault. This is all, you know, this is Russia's problem. Like our supply chain issues, which have affected us for over 12 months, that was because Vladimir Putin started war three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. that, that's the real issue. Yeah. But I, honestly, like, I have a lot of hope that in the next generation, because, like, who's the biggest influencer of the next generation? It's YouTube stars, like Mr. Beast. Yeah. And his attitude towards life in general if he can have the following that he does and just get across to all of these, all of his people, some part of his selfless... Yeah. Uh, use it for good. Use your, use your means yeah, for good. His selfless view on life, the next generation is going to be fine. I know they're going to be fine. I have no... I'm not stressing one bit. There's no yeah. point in stressing. Human history has shown that we've survived. Yeah. The boys survived and we get better and better and better over yeah. time. Uh, maybe dark ages, bit of a blip. Yeah. Only a couple hundred years. But apart from that, we've done, we've gone pretty good. And honestly, dark ages has a lot of parallels to what's happening now. 
it was it's caused by existing powers doing anything they can to hold on to those powers burning down the rest of the world in the process that's what we're seeing now you are seeing the existing well, that's powers that's not a very optimistic view of the future if you think we're about to go into a dark age well no i think it's an attempt at dark age at the moment you are seeing the old powers attempting to do these things technology's given us the ability to avoid that though mm. like the dark age has destroyed all of the information in the world not in the world but it destroyed a lot of information. We regressed in Europe, basically. Right. Yeah. You are seeing the same attempt now. You are trying to cut people off from information, making sure they only think the right things. It's because the existing power base. When you when you back an old line into a corner, it's going to lash out, and it's going to lash out as hard as it has ever lashed out before, mm. because all of a sudden it's under threat. Mm. When a when a line is young and the, the strongest thing, the pride, with no one challenging him, that's when he's the benevolent line. That's when he you know helps you out and he shares the food and shares the prosperity that he's helped create. But when he grows past that age, when, fuck, I'm about to be challenged by someone, mm-hmm. I'm going to lash out, I'm going to lash out hard, and I'm going to nip all of these things in the bud before they can even flower because I'm so scared and threatened by them. And that's what we're seeing yeah. with the global powers at the moment. So I'm far more optimistic. I think there's going to be many macro opportunities for us here on the ground. I'm looking forward to the turmoil because in turmoil there is always opportunity. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm not saying there's no opportunity in chaos. Mm. There's absolutely opportunity in chaos. The, the key to it is to, again, the, that episode we had a couple of weeks ago, news or noise. You need to block out the noise mm. because the noise is designed to make you hazy and haywire and make reactive decisions rather than considered choices mm. make sure that you're not reacting to things make sure you're making those considered choices because there will be that many opportunities that open up for you mm-hmm. and on that note there is a time for great prosperity coming we just need to grasp it thanks for joining us guys we'll see you next RBA.